Zach. Right. Oh man, you blew it. You talked Dang. over. Oh, I was just going to start it and you oh, talked okay. over it. Zach. Bill. How's it going? Good. How are you doing? I, I'm, do- I'm doing oh, well. But uh, I, I also have to say hey to uh, Amanda. Hey. Hi, Bill. So I, I feel like, you know, there's always those kids that, that when you start school and they, they're not there on the first day and, and then they kind of show up like a week or so later. And even <laughs> though they're there for the rest of the entire year, they're never really part of the class or just sort of like that, that new kid that comes in late. And that, that I, I kind of feel like that on this show now. So I, um, it, this is Grodio, right? welcome back welcome back bill and i think since you know we sort of teased it a little bit zach you and i we kind of conspired um behind amanda's back to get her to be a a full-time host on this this thing and she really really had no no other answer you know no other recourse except to accept that. So, uh, Amanda, congratulations on your your um, co-hosting duties of of the Grodio podcast. Oh, thanks, thanks. Yeah, I'm excited. This should be fun. It, it was fun listening to you guys, and um, it was cool to do the couple episodes with Zach. And I think it'll be fun to have the the curious noob in the mix as well this time. <laughs> yeah, the pressure is definitely on me to to kind of, you know, not 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 break up what has become a really good thing. I feel like it just sort of took off after I went to China and Colorado <laughs> and other places. No. So we'll, we'll see how it goes. <laughs> well, but we agreed that you you play the curious noob well. You, you, you ask good questions and you seem genuinely interested in it. And, you know, you you seem to embrace the spirit of of the of the Grod, even if you're you're still just kind of the curious noob. Well, here, listen to this. So, I, and I think this is going to play right into our our first topic. When I was at uh, the Breck Epic, I started before before the Breck Epic started. I spent the weekend in Steamboat Springs. Uh, working uh, at a at a team camp, cyclocross camp for Alpha Bicycles, and all of the roads that they were riding on were the same ones that were in the steamboat gravel race. So I no am familiar. Fake. I am familiar with this course. I mean, were you riding with them at all? Did you did you get out on your bike and experience the road yourself? No, I had this sweet Barbie Jeep that I was driving around in. Oh, <laughs> it was amazing. The uh, the gladiator so since you were technically there can you give us like a like a how were the rocks what was this kind of gravel like i would say that this this was a smooth riding gravel however it did get broken up into what i would call more like almost cow paths like like some big rocks and grass you know in the road as well that that really tested the barbie jeep on on for for bits of it but you know, as far as them on their, I, I think they were just on straight cyclocross bikes. I'm not Zach. You're gonna have to help me with the difference here. Um, but yeah, they seem they seem to ride ride them them fast and uh, easily. Yeah, well, I mean, there's not too much of a difference between a cross bike and a gravel bike, but it, interesting that they had they probably had like what the 33 mil tires on. I'm guessing they didn't stop to throw on like some 38s or 40s uh, to deal with these cow pastures. Well, you know that I, that I'm a stickler for these things and all things tech, so I can tell you with a hundred percent accuracy that uh, I I have no idea. I mean, did it did it look skinny or did it look like really fat? Like I, I think that's kind of the. <laughs> I honestly, I'm gonna have to. I'm, you're gonna make me go back and look at my photos now because honestly, I could not tell you. Okay. All right. So. All right. I guess um, I guess what I can add to this is, hey guys, I was there. Yeah, nice. Hey, wait, <laughs> we weren't. So at least you have some insight on the the dirt, even though it translates into nothing for us. But thanks. <laughs> anytime, anytime <laughs> well, I can I think, help. I mean, Bill, I think if you're going to be, you know, uh, if you have a future in reporting, I think you need to come up with, you know, the, those adjectives to describe the gravel, right, Amanda? There's yeah. like pea size, and then golf I don't know, ball, golf, golf ball, yeah gnarly I, you know just use like words like gnarly um 
I, I did. Justin. I did though, Zach. I did experience what your your uh, one of your major concerns being the empathetic person you are at at a dirty Kanza of you know trying to get from spot to spot in front of the riders as they were going and trying to just sort of crawl along past them to, to keep the dust at a minimum. So yeah, I did well, learn I, that from you for not like just, you know, flying by people and uh, just crushing them with a, with a cloud of dust. Well, well I think uh, Amanda and I talked that uh, about that on the previous episode, we were talking about the potential of broadcasting Dirty Kanza and that was one of her concerns. And I don't think I brought it up, but like there was one of the Jeeps at Dirty Kanza, Colin Strickland was at like mile 180 and he just rips right by him. And I have this picture of Colin coming out of like, you know, a cloud of dust. I'm like, that was kind of rude. Like that's just, that's not cool. I don't know. Amanda, you, you've experienced it. That's kind of not cool, huh? Yeah, no, I, that's, yeah, I know we talked about it last time and I think that that's a big struggle is trying to find that fine line of like documenting it, but not affecting it. And I think the dust plays a big role sometimes in that. And we've seen in the past at Dirty Kansas people starting the ride with like bandanas around their face, just knowing it's going to be that dusty. Um, And even some of the pictures that I saw from SBT when they were in the like lower plain field looking areas uh, like will matthews has a picture and everybody's just coming out of this giant cloud of dust and i was like oh man if you have any sort of like breathing allergy problems that would have been like such a mess but yeah it's it's definitely a fine line but i think that um they're getting better at being able to like travel around and get to those places and there's a lot of the same photographers at these events now and i think that they probably have their methodology down at this point <laughs> you say that yeah. uh i don't but <laughs> uh, okay all right well <laughs> so maybe they do uh maybe i should get some tips from will and some of the other folks um so are we gonna start with steamboat bill is that kind of was that the the segue that you were you were making here that's what I was shooting for. Yeah, Steamboat oh, and so for people good. that haven't haven't caught on yet, that would that would be the SBT that uh, Amanda is talking about, and that was yeah. I'm looking I'm looking at the clock right now. It uh, 354 days and 14 hours until the next uh, next edition. So so we got a little bit of wiggle room to get this uh, get this recap in. <laughs> well, so that one was kind of uh, I mean. Uh, its thing is it was new it was a first year event and it still made a pretty big splash and we're, we're talking about it here on the the grodio podcast so you know they obviously did something uh to make it an event and make it something that we want to want to chat about yeah for sure uh what is so kind of looking for the results here but what going into this who did it, who did was there anybody um going into this that was a favorite or or does that so I don't know. There's so much, so much stuff I, I I have to ask here about about how this this stuff happens. I know that. Um, okay, I'm not going to go off on a tangent, but I do want to talk about calendars at some point. But we're going to talk about this race first. So what do we what do we have as far as who who is racing and who is favorites and who are you looking at, Amanda? Um. So on the women's side, I was expecting. Um, Amity Rockwell to have a little bit better of a showing. I think she finished in the teens or 20s. I'm not quite sure if she had a mechanical problem um, or not, but yeah, that was kind of one of my big surprises. Um, I saw Cycling Tips came out with an article prior to the event trying to do what Zach does normally with these preview (laughs) articles um, and did a big focus on the women's field, but more specifically like the roadies that had entered um, that were kind of doing it as a tune-up event to the... Colorado Classic that was the week after the event um, and so as soon as I saw that article I was like well a roadie's probably going to win um, and, and considering the prize purse and how much money they were putting at um, emphasizing the pointy end of the field that isn't what ended up happening um, and yeah do you want to talk about the, the results Zach? Wait that isn't uh, it was roadie who won the women's race yeah. Yeah. Oh, that is, okay. Right. Sorry, I misunderstood. That is what happened. It, yes, that is. <laughs> okay, you said isn't. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, 
Sorry, it is what happened. Okay, yes, you confused me. Well, it, yeah, well, and from my perspective, uh, Gravel Worlds was the same weekend. uh, And Lawrence Stevens, who's a pro road racer and also the partner of Matt Stevens, one of the top gravel racers, this is like the second time she signed up for a race and then not done it. (laughs) So she had signed up for Gravel Worlds, and I was like, oh, that's going to be really cool. She's going to have a great battle against Allison Tetrick uh, in Nebraska, but she ended up doing it. So it was the two teammates from Tibco. Uh, Silicon Valley Bank in Brody Chapman and Lawrence Stevens went 1-2 uh, at the front of that race. So, um, like you said, and I think Lauren might have had a mechanical uh, reading the race report. Uh, so, you know, it might have been a little bit different if uh, mechanicals hadn't gotten in the way. But as you know, from pretty much any gravel race, mechanicals and flat tires are very much a part of of gravel racing. Yeah, yeah. And it was cool to see Brody Chapman win. Um She's Australian national road race champion, I believe, so it was pretty cool. And I know she said um, in an interview afterwards that, that they went there to win. So that was the goal, and that was what she did and went away with, uh, with some pretty good money. Uh, Sarah Sturm was third, um, which I thought was pretty awesome. She's been doing a great job of you know, rustling up the podiums um, in some of these big events this summer. So it was pretty cool to see her get third there, especially after getting second in Leadville, I think. Um yeah, she did. Yeah. yeah, and in the in fourth place, uh, Alexis Rashotes. I don't know how to say her last name, but she actually wasn't entered in the pro field. I guess she was like in the age group rankings, and uh, so that's why like the pro podium doesn't actually include her because she had entered herself in like the age group one, which is pretty cool that she ended up getting fourth overall. Um, and then in fifth, Allison Powers, she obviously a pretty big name uh, on the road scene. I think retired from road racing professionally and just coaches now. So it was pretty awesome to see her in fifth. And and then in sixth, Nina Laughlin uh, was first at Land Run in March. Uh, she came out here with CTS. They did like a camp leading up to the event and and pulled out that fifth place podium spot for the pro field, which is pretty cool. Well, so that's an interesting point. I mean, they had the the big prize purses. It was, I think, $5,000 to the winner of both the men's and women's and $2,500 for second and maybe 1000 for third. Like, that's pretty big compared to what road races are pulling this year. And we had talked on the previous episode of Grodio about when we would see more of the, right, the women's road teams uh, doing gravel. And so do you think, I mean, it seems like if we have more prize purses like this, like this would be a major motivation <laughs> uh, to see more of those, uh, to see more teams sending their riders to races like this, and especially ones that are favorable to, you know, more or less road skills. So basically anything that's uh, kind of east of California <laughs> and Oregon, it seems like those are the kind of races uh, that might favor, you know, road racers versus like you know the gravel racers who are racing out west yeah yeah and that in belgian waffle ride was another example of this where the prize money brought out some more of the talent from the road teams and um i think that's a big motivator on the women's side i know that you cx magazine put out that article that that uh woman wrote about the change in the women's fields over those different uh gravel events in the past five or six years and a few of those are definitely influenced by money and a, a lot of them are influenced by marketing campaigns and kind of showing that, you know, these events are really good challenges for women and, and that sort of thing. And I think that um, at the pointy end in some of events like this, it's definitely money that has influenced some of that change in speed and um, talent, I guess, that's showing up as well. Yeah, yeah, but I, there's still a number of, in that top 10, a number of familiar names uh, that we've seen all season, though, as well. So, yeah. you know, our gravel yeah. friends, uh, Casey Armstrong, Sir Max, Lauren DeCrescenzo came back from uh, her broken collarbone at uh, DK. Uh, Hannah Muggy, her teammate, did Belgian Waffle early this year. So some familiar names that are also, you know, on that result sheet in the top 10. So the gravel, the quote unquote gravel racers still representing out at Steamboat. Oh, yeah, for sure. That women's feel definitely. What, what about somebody like Casey Armstrong, who, you know, was was racing? I, I would I would call her a mountain biker uh, over, mm-hmm. you know, anything else. But it seems like that's not normally the type of person. I'm just looking at the other results when we get to the men's like Payson McIlvain is in there as well. You know, these are 
riders that I was seeing all summer long in the uh, mountain bike world, but it really doesn't seem like those skills transfer over as much as, as coming from road. Yeah, yeah, for definitely. I mean, I think, uh, yeah, I mean, I would have expected Casey to have a better result there, at least better than 40 minutes back from the win. Um, but yeah, it's, it's different. I think that on the men's side, it kind of is only just Payson as well. So I think he could just be considered an anomaly. And um, if you look at Crusher and the Tusher, like Evelyn Dong won that and she's, you know, pretty focused mountain bike racer. So I think it's different. It's also course specific. Um, Timing on this one skills. also played a huge part of it because I think what they were hoping, and there, there was a lot of uh, recruitment going on from the promoter of this race with the Breck Epic, hoping that a lot of the riders who were just finishing up Breck Epic would stay that extra day because that finished on uh, Saturday, Friday, Friday, and then they, you know, stay and then race, race this race as well. And I know like Kabush was, th- um, he did it, didn't he? He was he out there. He did, yeah, yes. But he, and, and he was one of the few, I think, but they, I know Russell Finsterwall was thinking about it, but ended up not doing it just because Breck Epic is just such, <laughs> such a killer and, you know, racing at altitude for that many days in a row and, and racing hard and then turning around and doing something like this, I think is probably, um, it takes it. It would take a special person or 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 a Canadian like Kabush to be able to to pull that off. Uh, the the um the the one the one interesting thing you know once we 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 just mentioned Payson he was at he was <laughs> he was putting in training days riding with people during the race for a Breck Epic to get ready for that but wasn't actually racing. Oh, oh. are you allowed to do that? Hey, open roads. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> open trails. Um, Bill, to your point, I think one thing that maybe I was a little surprised about was just kind of like looking at the profile of the steamboat race. It seems like it was generally speaking kind of a two climb race. There was a climb, you're on a plateau, you went down and you climbed again. So, you know, I think uh, for the mountain bikers, they're all really good at climbing uh, at altitude. So if it had been different, if there had been more, you know, more mountain climbs, if it had been more up and down, up and down, you might have seen that favor, uh, that skill set as well. Um, but at the same time, some people are just really good at riding their bike. They just happen to be mountain bikers. Or they just happen to be road racers. So, you know, I look at like Payson, like he's crushing gravel. He clearly has a skill set that's built towards doing these long endurance races uh, and going hard for long periods of time. Yeah, the, the other interesting thing, and I, I wonder how this plays into it for other races, and even if races can be broken down like this, you talked about altitude. This is 6,700 feet, which is up there but isn't necessarily high altitude as far as racing what i learned from trying to i mean i'm being able to talk to you quickly like this right now without having to stop and and take a <laughs> breath every two seconds like i was doing in breckenridge but here you know you're you're down much further you're four thousand feet lower so it doesn't seem it, it it seems like that invites a lot more people to be able to compete uh are there any are there any like huge gravel races that are at altitude uh, the Crusher and the Tusher, which was in okay. July, I think. Amanda, what like starts at like eight or nine thousand and goes up to eleven. Yeah, it goes it, up to like ten, eleven, yeah. Yeah, and that one is just like that's, that's legit. Yeah, there's some people that are just like that's the hardest thing I've ever done, and I'm never doing it again solely because of the altitude, not yeah, not the challenge. Oh, <laughs> Amanda just raised not her me. hand. By the way, I've done it once, <laughs> <laughs> one and done. <laughs> yeah, as opposed to like a DK is probably what like a. 500 feet maybe probably yeah <laughs> yeah i think there's other That's issues it. involved with dk more so oh, yeah, than for altitude sure, for, sure. <laughs> for sure true but that being said that's why i was when i saw that ted king won steamboat i was shocked because i know that he doesn't live at altitude so i was really impressed with the fact that he came away with the win on that one um it was supposed to be a very close finish like payson said he double leg cramped at the top of the last climb and like barely kept ted in sight to the finish had that not happened payson probably had the upper hand in a sprint finish um i but yeah i was i was super surprised and impressed that ted won that um payson ended up being only like 
80 seconds back on him and the the guy after that was like a little over a minute behind so it was still a really close finish um but i was just impressed that ted was able to put himself in the hurt locker to win <laughs> so amanda yeah let's let's run down i guess officially what what happened in the uh in the men's race i guess ted king winning it and Payson McIlvain after that jacob raffi is that right in uh yeah third place and then uh our our gravel star Colin Strickland there in, in fourth with uh, Jonathan Baker fifth. Any any surprises or any standout uh, rides in there other than what you were just mentioning, Amanda? Um, I'm a big fan of the the Morton brothers and their thereabouts slash outskirts films. Um, and they did an outskirts. The second film that they did with Rafa, they brought Jacob Rathy in. And I watched it a few months ago or so. Um, and so it was really cool to see him get third here. I had to actually Google his name and go back. And I was like, I think that's the, like the random ex-pro they brought on that epic ride they did in Canada. And it was. Um, and in that film, he talks about how he had a really hard time with his road racing career because he had a really big upsweep, like a ton of really good results in the beginning. And then he just like dropped off the face of the map with in terms of results on the road. Um, and he retired, went to go work a, you know, a job, but still keep riding his bike. And it was a really cool story. And so I was really impressed to see him get third here. Um, so that was kind of a good feel good story for me. And then Colin obviously still has his fitness and, and finished fourth, but, you know, could have very easily taken the win as well. Cause it was still close. Yeah. And then, and then the old men start uh, showing up, got Moninger <laughs> in there in yeah. sixth place, a uh, couple things just just looking at names that i meant uh noticed matt McClune got to give him a shout out dc guy uh the strong road racer around here uh, last saw him uh actually in uh, hagerstown for a road amateur nats and he uh finished 13th on the day ahead of um tom danielson and then jeremiah bishop also coming out from virginia uh and then, yeah, so Kabush is there with Jake Wells. And then I also noticed a couple of cyclocross guys there farther down. Yannick uh, Ekman and Alan Krugoff. Seems like there was a little, like, boulder group ride going on right around the 30th uh, place there. Well, did did you guys uh, catch Kabush's little uh, social media thing? It's not a, it's yep. not a gravel race if uh, Kabush doesn't do something on social. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> he's he's you know he's he's just keeping the purity of the sport alive. Yeah. Be it oh yeah, be it aero bars or people with doping suspensions. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, if you missed it, basically uh, him and Tom Danielson ended up off the front uh, of the group, and Kabush tweeted about skipping poles uh, and not doing work in that little little duo. And uh, I guess it, it didn't seem like a dust up, but it definitely made its way onto to my timeline, and people were talking about it. The, the only other name there in the in the men's that I do want to mention just as a little crossover push because I'm working through my uh, my heat check power rankings for cyclocross and and there may I'm not, not I don't want to tip my hand Jamie Driscoll may be under consideration you know coming back from from injury doing a lot of a lot of these gravel rides it seems like now gravel is is the if cyclocross is the is how people are now getting ready for road racing. Gravel seems to be the way that some are getting ready for, for cyclocross racing. So it was good to see Driscoll out there, you know, top 40 finish here. I know he's done some other events as well. So uh, good to see him back in racing. Uh, if we're going through the results, another one worth mentioning, we talked about Lauren Stevens finishing second. Matt Stevens raced Gravel Worlds on Saturday in Lincoln, Nebraska, and he finished fourth. And then he got in his car and drove the 600-whatever-miles to Steamboat and raced on Sunday in Steamboat Whoa. and finished 21st. Yeah. So <laughs> so you could actually do both. Wow, this is it's like the... physically possible, Matt, Ste yeah. Matt Stevens proved it was physically possible okay. to do both. Um, I haven't he heard from Deion, him, though. He is the Deion Sanders of, of cyclocross, I mean, of gravel <laughs> racing. Uh, but is his team going to be, I watched that 30 for 30. Are people, I wonder if his team is disappointed in, you know, his decision. <laughs> we're gonna, no, just kidding. The Panda We're, we're going to make Amanda factor. have to go look up what we're talking yeah, about I now. Google something later. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, so Amanda, I have a question for you. I mean, you know, gravel is known for its laid back, uh, or whatever, but you know, there was a little bit of a rivalry, I think between Ted and Payson that's starting to, to spring up here. I, I just kind of wonder, you know, Ted is finishing this season strong. How much do you think Ted King wanted to win this race? You know, he finished second at land run to Payson in a sprint. He finished right behind him at DK. Do you think that was a thing or is, uh, you know, Ted's so retired now, he might just been like, you know, what, whatever. Oh, it's totally a thing. I mean, even though he's retired, he's still extremely competitive or else he wouldn't be doing all this stuff. So um, I think it was a big weight off of his shoulders to take a win this big. Um, and yeah, especially I'm sure he was annoyed with Payson all season long. Just like, get this kid out of here. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I'm sure it was great and he was excited to win that. Um but yeah, it's cool to see all these big names at different events and be able to have these conversations now because so many of them are going to the same events uh, that it's fun that they that we can see these battles play out kind of in different venues now. It, it's the big Red Bull versus untapped Maple, you know, rivalry. Whoa, you're right. I like this. This this rivalry might have a, some, some good layers to it because yeah. I'm guessing we'll be seeing these guys racing against each what, other next year too. Yeah, what gets you? What gets what's what's the better prep for uh, for racing gravel? What's it going to be? It's going to be Red Bulls That's, or syrup? Yeah. Well, I, he's Ted's kind of outnumbered though because Colin Strickland is a Red Bull athlete oh, as well. Yeah. So when Colin's up in the mix as well, uh, Ted might need to recruit another untapped uh, person and get a helmet too. He yeah, needs, I'd, like, an iconic yeah. helmet. It's a plaid, <laughs> plaid helmet. <laughs> All right. Uh, tell me what this RPI is on here. Oh, do we want to... Oh, I'm sorry. I skipped right over. We we sort of mentioned uh, Gravel wor- Worlds there for a second. First, it, it seems like... And, and, and this is a continued little bit of tension that seems to be happening in the, the Gravel world as far as scheduling goes i know you all talked about it before but you have almost this like grassroots type type event that gravel worlds that has been out there for a while and then you have something like sbt that that obviously has some money behind it has some big sponsors is able to bring in these these bigger names and i just just wonder it seems like this is this is a a really good microcosm of what might be happening in the gravel universe on a on a on a bigger scale of of some of these smaller events maybe getting pushed out and you know you were talking about the laid back aspect of it zach and it seems like this this kind of works against that Yeah, I think that was a thing. I know Amanda and I were talking about it, and she. I mean, I think you're a little. You're more in touch. Uh, we, well, we talked about how you're you're kind of like royalty uh, in in Kansas in in Emporia, um, but I think you know you you have some strong roots in that uh, the Midwest area. Um, but yeah, I think it's a new thing. Uh, this is certainly the first time we've seen this big of a race. I mean, there's races that have payouts. For example, Crusher I think gave a thousand dollars out to winners. But they really downplayed it. You know, at Crusher, talking to Burke Swindlehurst, he's like, we kind of put it way down on our website. And I was like, yeah, I couldn't even really find what the payouts were. But, you know, for Steamboat, it was very much an advertising, a part of their advertising pitch. Um, you know, but the question is, does this money exist? I mean, they were giving out 30 grand uh, total payouts. Uh, you know, we've Bill, you put on a cyclocross race. We've seen the challenges of putting on other races. You know, is that does that money exist to put on more races like this, or is this kind of like a one-off thing? I I think it. I mean, it, it seems that you know, you talk about cyclocross, and I think that cyclocross is a much harder animal to deal with when it comes to big money sponsorship, unless you're going to have a either industry sponsor or product sponsor come in or car dealership that that is is willing to put up that kind of money i think the thing that these races are able to take advantage of when we see it with the epic rides mountain bike races as well is that they're destination races and if you have a destination Mm. race and you have a a destination that like steamboat that relies on people coming in then i think you have a better opportunity of getting money 
from the tourist boards, getting money from the state to be able to, to offer that kind of prize money. And I'm not positive for this, you know, uh, race, but I'll bet that's part of what's going on here. And that's how, that's how this money is able to, to be offered. Yeah. That's what I was going to say is that it's a tourism thing, especially in a destination town like that, because they're trying to convince people that it's a cool place to come and ride your bike and, you know, throwing money at an event like that and proving that, people will come out there and ride a really long distance means that, you know, in a few months from now, people can schedule a vacation and go and do the same thing and ride on their own. So that's probably the justification for, you know, money coming from the the state or the city, whatever, to, to boost it. But it definitely took a lot of big names away from Gravel Worlds, more on the women's side, surprisingly. Um, I think Tetric was the dare I say, like only really big name in the women's field that raced. And even as far as a couple months ago, I was under the impression she was going to Steamboat. So I don't know if it was like a last minute decision that she decided to defend at Gravel Worlds or if she felt like that was something that she needed to do was defend her title. Um, But yeah, I mean, even at the, what I had last heard was at the poll had even happened for her to go over to Steamboat. So it was nice to see her stay and do Gravel Worlds. Like, I didn't even know she was going to do it until a few days before the event. Zach texted me. Um, so, yeah, it was great to see her. I mean, she finished 26th overall, which is impressive. Um, and second place was, like, almost an hour behind her. So that shows you kind of how much of a field was taken away and kind of put more at Steamboat because they had a little bit money, more money to influence that women's field there. Um, but second and third were pretty close together, uh, and, you know, it looked like they had traveled to come to that event, so it was good to see that as well. Um, and I think third place, I looked her up, she's done a few cross races, so it was nice to see some, some cyclocross racers in there as well. Um, but for me on the men's side, it was so awesome to see a local guy win. Um, I think that that's something that you know, used to happen a lot at Dirty Kansas. It was all like king of the, the, the Kansas guys would always win the event, like Dan Hughes. Um, they were the kings of Kansas, basically, and they were the ones that would show up and win the event and had this really giant local prestige. So it was really cool to see. Maybe it happened because a lot of those top guys ended up going to Steamboat, but it was awesome that John was able to um, pull away and win that sprint finish at the end with Eric Marcotte. Um, which, you know, even that in itself, the top six guys in that race were still pretty close together. Um, and it was fun to hear how that played out for them. So even though the fields are split, I think it made for good stories on both sides in the end. Yeah. Although officially, I think John just moved to California. <laughs> I talked really? to him, but he's from Lincoln. Uh, yeah. he's very much a local guy and I yeah. think, I think he finished still like, that's still yeah. fair. Yeah, no, he's he's the the favorite son, and uh, it's funny because I talked to um, Bob Cummings from Panaracer Factor Team at Dirty Kanza, and he's like, "Hey, just so you know, we've got this guy." I was like, "Dude, I know who he is. He finished fourth at Gravel Worlds last year, and John went on, and I think he finished like eleventh or twelfth at DK, Uh, and so it was really cool to see him him win." Uh, and be able to, you know, get some attention because he's been slowly improving. He won, I guess, the unofficial first race of the year, the Texas Chain Ring Massacre uh, oh, okay. down in Texas, which I think I was like posting about as I was way on the way to Worlds for Cross, which was mm. kind of weird, right? Like, yeah. You're, oh, you're yeah. covering gravel as you're on your way to, to Cycle Cross Worlds. But uh, Eric Marcotte, too, former yeah. road race national yeah, yeah. champion. So, yeah. And. Yeah, uh, I was going to tell a quick story. When we first started Dirty Kanza, like on the beginning rollout part, maybe like nine miles in, Eric was next to me and he hits this giant pothole in the road and his entire saddlebag falls off of his bike. <laughs> like, and he just, and he just abandoned it. And he like looked at me with this like panicked face of like, should I go back and get it? And I looked at him and I was like, you just need to be really careful on your tires until you get to the next <laughs> checkpoint. So I don't really know how the rest of the day played out for him, but that was my only interaction with him was his, like, oh shit moment because he lost his entire saddlebag. Like, yeah, yeah it was hilarious. Lesson learned on making sure that thing's attached firmly exactly. for the next time. I'll, I'll yeah. bet it didn't fall <laughs> off for a gravel world. Uh, probably. 
I don't know. Yeah, I don't know how he finished. I think he might have fallen off, but he was in that group of like the the eight or nine dudes that were. Uh, well, they weren't uh, apparently did not have as, enough of a sense of urgency chasing off after Callan Strickland as they should have. But he was in that group with the EF and the Trek Segafredo guys. Um, but I don't know if he had a mechanical. But mm-hmm. third place to Tristan Yule uh, and his glorious mustache were also uh, in the mix, and he finished third at Gravel World. So. He's been racing. He's been having a really strong year. He had a really strong uh, week out at the Oregon Trail Gravel Grinder as well. So I think he's a guy to watch. Does some cross two every once in a while. Yeah, single single some speed. Bike. Uh, former single speed national champ, I believe, and on in cyclocross. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, that's just kind of my point. Is it, I think there's people in gravel who are just really good at riding bikes. You know, yeah. whether it be long distance, short distance, cyclocross, gravel, mountain, whatever. Uh, you know, it, it's a discipline in a lot of ways. Seems to favor people who are just good at, at bike racing. Yeah, for sure. I mean, just to put a pin on what I was talking about before with, uh, or what we were discussing about the sponsors looking at the uh, SBT sponsors. You know, I I, I, I was like, oh, it's got to be a tourism board or something like that. Presenting sponsor Canyon, which uh, makes mm-hmm. complete sense. I mean, that's kind of kind of the way that they are heading now, right? With uh, trying to sell bikes that people can ride on different surfaces and especially geared towards that gravel crowd. And uh, I think uh, Amanda and I had this discussion when we weren't recording just about how it seems like a lot of bike component sponsors and everything else really are starting to focus in on this market especially since you know road racing is not as popular as it used to be cyclocross may be popular but it's a super small market where something like gravel you're getting these marathon type fields out there and a lot of people in big participation and you know that's that's where these bike manufacturers are going to go so it's not really a surprise that canyon is sort of offering up the most uh funding for this and then if you look down in their into their silver sponsors the next the next um roll down you do get like steamboat resorts and paoli group which is a real estate group so they are picking up that money as well but those that seems to be really what's driving this you know one is like the bike industry finding a new market and then also as we said there are these destinations and the community agricultural alliance so let's not leave them out either (laughs) <laughs> well, so, so Bill, uh, you know, I think having these two events on the same day does definitely create a contrast of the two different routes in gravel. Um, do you know what the, the, the main prize at Gravel Worlds was? What they were racing for? Uh, belt buckles always seems like a solid guess. Um, uh, 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 a vest. It was a sword. A sword. A sword. Whoa. So Gravel Worlds is <laughs> like hosted that. by, uh, I know, right? You never would have guessed it. Um, it's hosted by a really cool group uh, in Lincoln called the uh, Pirate Cycling League. And so they just totally lean into the to the pirate theme throughout. Uh, so last year, I think part of Allison's motivation for going might have been the chance to get another sword. Because I can tell you, I was there last year. <laughs> she was so friggin' excited to get that sword. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Uh, But, you know, in terms of it's two, it's a group of two or three that put it on. Corey Godfrey and uh, Craig Schmidt are the two guys who kind of started it. And they they literally started running it out of their basement with postcards. Uh, It got to the point where Corey was like, look, Craig, I I know you love getting postcards every year, but we we have to make this a little bit more official for registration. Um, But, you know, they're very grassroots. They find, uh, you know, volunteers to help. Uh, they they've basically their aid stations. Several of them are just like local people who wanted to just give out supplies to people. And I know one of the things uh, talking about the agriculture board, they raised money for a local baseball field this year. So that's oh, nice. that's how grassroots, you know, gravel worlds is, is that they go to these small towns and they just tell everyone to bring five bucks with and, you know, drop people five bucks when they give you your pickle juice and cliff bars and whatever else. <laughs> so I think that's, that's cool. It's a cool aspect of it. Uh, Would that, you, you know, um, there's that community sense where they're literally like helping build baseball fields. Yeah. That's, that's great. It's a great place to have cross practice. Um, oh. <laughs> Uh, would would you classify the the uh, race winning pirate sword as a cutlass? 
last year was. Okay. Uh, I, so when I talked to Corey earlier this year, he was literally like taking a week off work to to go <laughs> sword shopping. He's like, dude, I'm going sword shopping. Um, the other thing they were they had people who had done I all love 10. that you have an answer for this. <laughs> uh, he's like, just so you know, Zach, there's different kind. There's the cutlass. There's the sword. Uh, I'm sure there's like oh, a rapier. You know. Oh yeah. Well, Corey's really <laughs> like me. Corey is like I think he might have a PhD like me. So he's like oh. pretty smart dude. But um, but then they were talking about getting a blunderbuss themed <laughs> prize for the ten year people. <laughs> Oh God! I love um, it. Yeah, so it was, uh, and Corey himself, Corey himself, actually former DK two hundred winner. So a little bit of trivia back in the day. I was like, oh, yeah. I stayed at his place, and I was like, I walked upstairs, and I was like, Is that a dirty Kanza two hundred winners trophy? And he's like, Yeah, it is. I won it back in I don't remember what year. Yeah. So cool story about him as well. Man, all right, that that's a yeah. good uh, good legacy there for that race. Bill at uh, DCCX, do you guys give out any any themed prizes? Uh, we um, we 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 just have a, a medals made that with our logo on it. Um, okay. We're not we're not giving out like you know rejected bills or anything. <laughs> <laughs> we should what we should do is just sort of like brainstorming on the spot here maybe give out like pens like have a signing ceremony we just give out different pens for a bit on the podium that'd be a good one well i i mean bill if you're gonna if you're gonna be uh the the curious noob on a gravel i like theme is a big throughout the seat you know throughout the years people love to embrace the themes and we saw a shark race a gator race what what do you Uh, mean a shark race and a gator race well, there was a race called Baiting the Shark, and okay. it, they, like the prizes were shark themed. Texas Chain Ring the... Massacre is a pretty darn good name. I like yeah. that. Yeah, very creative. Yeah, it appeals to like. Wasn't that an eighties movie? Kind yes. of appeals to your. Yeah. 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 Thank you. Uh, Bill was Bill was on fire <laughs> tweeting about uh, Huey and the Lewis in the news last night, and I think he's on the hook for Colin Hay tonight. Yeah, so look I for that. Get, get up on my go back work. and look for that tweet storm from Bill. Yeah. <laughs> Amanda's just shaking her head. (laughs) Writing other stuff I gotta Google. (laughs) But I do. I. I. There. We have other things on our list. But I. I, I've been just itching to to pick Amanda's brain about this. And and so, here's my first question for you. And 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 maybe it is. But throughout the summer. Well, okay. First off, when does gravel season start? Let's get let's get right into this. Your non-official cycling uh, discipline until you fight about when other other disciplines fight about when your season is supposed to start and end. So, what is gravel racing season? I have an op- I have an opinion. I'm curious to hear what Amanda's opinion is. Um. My opinion is it starts with land run, but there are uh, March, beginning of March, um, usually around St. Patrick's Day. Um, But there are a couple other events that happen before that, like in February. So it kind of is never ending. You know, it is more of like a March to October-ish kind of um, season, in my opinion, but... At the same time, you know, there's events all across the country, depending on the weather. Um, you can still race through winter in some places. So even Rock Cobbler is an event in Bakersfield, and that's always in February. So you could argue February if you wanted to, but then, you know, we're pretty much looking at the whole year at that point. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was going to say it like the if we're looking at like the national level i mm-hmm. would say that land run kicks it off and mm-hmm. i mean and i'm probably pretty biased here i can't th- necessarily think of races coming up past the one this this weekend with rebecca's private idaho but you know from a national level i think you could make the argument especially since we're cyclocross magazine we're you know we're totally biased towards cyclocross so it works well to make it uh, the end of the season <laughs> Yeah, yeah. The only um, other one that ends later is that Grinduro in California mm. um, is in October, and that's one that usually overlaps sometimes with some cross racers. Uh, but yeah, so right. like February, March into September, October, probably. So my my next question then is, 
Is there a major race every weekend in that time? Or are there gaps throughout the season? We talked about it uh, on the previous podcast, I think. I think there's about one a month. Okay. And so major you have... One, yeah. yeah, one. So you have uh, March right now is Land Run. We need one in April. So if someone would like to apply for that... Barry Roubaix. Oh, Barry Roubaix. All right, so yeah. Barry Roubaix is in April. Um, Belgian Waffle, which kind of gave birth to the Grode <laughs> name of the podcast and why we're embracing it, is in early May. DK Is DK in May this year? It's the is last it? day, yeah, I think so. Yeah, so, you know, DK, end of May, early June. Uh, July, you have Crusher and the Tusher. Uh, August was Gravel Worlds, but now you have uh, Gravel Worlds, Steamboat, Um yeah. So what you just mentioned there, that, that rundown, sounds like a pretty sweet gravel calendar for me. Mm-hmm. So why not just make a gravel calendar and, and, and have a, a, a series out of it? Uh, who? Who's going to make this? Yeah. What, do you want know, to? What Can, I, what how much money? That's what everybody always says to me for cyclocross, so I'm asking you. I'm the noob. Y'all are gravel know. people. <laughs> How much how much money does Grodio have? Can we start the Grodio National Gravel Series? We could. No, Why yeah, not? We could. Yeah. Let's do I it. I think we've just I think we just did it. <laughs> <laughs> so we would have like uh I mean it would be kind of interesting because I think there is a diversity of races there and you know Amanda you've seen it in some of the the land runs and dirty cons that you've done. You know, they can turn into a muddy mess where you it takes a different skill set. Well, let me let me obviously re- Crusher is completely different. I think it would be super interesting. Let me mm-hmm. rephrase this, Amanda. Mm-hmm. What if Lifetime continues to like buy up different races and makes their own series? Is that a good thing? Is that a bad thing? Is that something that would pull in all of these pros? Does that change the whole outlook of what gravel racing is? And it doesn't I have to lifetime. Awesome. Somebody else does it. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. No, I think it'd be awesome. It would... I'm just... It, I was thinking as you were saying it, it's funny because in cross, we because of points and the way that uh, rankings are, that kind of everybody goes to the same events for points and stuff isn't really the same as all these big races on the gravel scene it's like more everybody's going to these big things because it's elevated at that point just based on like a prestige level not even just money and whatever it's more of just like notoriety and like these are the big events that you go to whereas in cross people will still like split their schedules based on how they need to get points and all that so there's like different priorities and goals but yeah it's kind of interesting how the gravel series has manifested itself and people have just kind of said okay this is the big event this person's here ted's gone and done this calendar last year so i'm going to do that calendar next year that's kind of how i think these the series has evolved in that way is the bigger names that go then like the more elevated the importance of that race and and then it just keeps going from there so uh, maybe that next step really is just somebody saying here's the series here's the calendar maybe races are going to get some sort of ranking thing or or i don't know maybe it'll just forever live in the subjective <laughs> rankings on grodio but we'll see so what then so it seems like at least if we use a cyclocross as 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 a model the you you're talking about it's different because people are racing for points as mm-hmm. we've kind of been discussing this year the the importance of points has been diminished over seasons past whereas now it really one of the main focus of getting points in cyclocross is racing for a better position or even qualifying for a national championship mm-hmm. next question should there be a national championship should this be a a sanctioned national no. championship no <laughs> i'm using that s no. word <laughs> no no get out of here no <laughs> no, no I, you don't no, you don't I, think i mean okay don't call it sanctioned somehow come up with it where you don't think people would want to at some point, just the way cycling disciplines go at some point race for a stars and stripes gravel jersey 
Well, I'm sure Zach's itching to tell you that's already a thing. Yes. Wait, there, there's a Stars and Stripes? Yes, there's... there is. Are you serious? Yeah, if you Google, like, Gravel Grinder National Championships, it's not oh. USA Cycling. Um, it's, like, some other underground-sanctioned... Uh, well, I mean, there's a single well, there's Gravel Worlds. You can get worlds a you can get too. a rainbow jersey. There was Gravel Worlds. There's a World Championship. Well, yeah, but there's there yeah. So you can get a um, a national championship. Like Panaracer sent their whole team to to nationals to Gravel Grinder Nationals this year, but it's still chuckled at as like not actually uh, an official thing. Much in the same way that Gravel Worlds is chuckled at because it's not technically a real thing. So from the standpoint of like a series and people going to do these things so that at a spectator level, we can all follow somebody throughout uh, some sort of calendar. I don't think that that will translate to any sort of like official thing that people are achieving for, I guess maybe that's my opinion. If I fall out of view here, it's because I'm in this rabbit hole that is the United States Endurance Cycling See, Federation. Yeah, I told you, that's it. That's the sanctioning body that decided to bring it on. Yeah. <laughs> USCCF. Right, so, so on Grodio, one of our one of our agenda items uh, in the next coming season is that we are going to start a federation. Okay. Okay. All right. I mean, I, okay. we may as well. It seems like anybody can do it. We're going to start a federation. <laughs> we'll have to work on what the details are of that, but that's that's going to be the goal. Okay. Oh. All right. That sounds good. Uh, I will say though, I think like we should definitely, if people want to have their race be, you know, included, it definitely has to be like a postcard situation. If we're going to keep the spirit of gravel alive, it's got to be pretty low tech. You know, you send in a postcard with the name of your race. Hopefully you send in a really cool postcard and then maybe we'll consider it. Yeah. Yeah, I like it. Okay. I don't know. I'm good it, with that. That seems appropriate. Uh, gravel, uh, gravel Grinder Nationals are in April. Mm-hmm. We're in April. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. Interesting. Where was you it? You didn't know that was a thing, Zach? I did. Now that you mentioned it, I just, yeah. I, I neglected to, to cover it, I guess. Right. Uh, where yeah. was it? I don't know, Lawrence, but the man, Kansas. they got like a website from the 80s. It's awesome. Yeah, um, Lawrence, Kansas. It's in Kansas. Mm-hmm. Well, so I have I have a question for you guys. Uh, it seems like a few years ago in Gravel, right, it was the, the interest level was who kind of came from a different discipline to do this race and won, right? And you'd be like, oh, this person, this person. And so I looked at like Steamboat and we had an interesting situation where we had a professional road racer came, did it one on the women's side and mm-hmm. on the men's side, we hit now have more of <laughs> Amanda joked uh, <laughs> offline about professional gravel racers, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Ted King won for the men. And so we've been following him for the last couple of years, which is more interesting to you guys having it, you know, having that de facto series where we have people who we follow and rivalries and, you know, races to compare or the ringers who come in and do the one-offs and, and win races or, you know, compete. Cause I think like doing a series is one thing, like Amanda pointed out that would foster is having even more of a coherence of a narrative and these, you know, athletes that we can follow. Yeah. yeah but I, I think, think it's, yeah, go ahead. Oh no! I was going to ask you what your opinion is as the as the outsider looking in. What what would you rather pay attention to? I think it's apples and oranges. I don't think you have to you have to choose. I mean, why would you want to choose? We we uh, you know the the people who I, I'm sorry, dear listeners. I'm going to continue to bring this back to cyclocross. That's just the way it goes. Uh, <laughs> but the people who uh, were racing for the uh, men's. Uh, 35 plus masters series at DCCX when Katie Compton showed up and raced in their race didn't care they loved that Katie Compton was racing in their race there was your celebrity that showed up and you know uh, other than hitting hitting one barrier probably would have won the race yet it didn't affect their series and they still had a great series for the season so I, I think that that you can you can have both, and then if we get to the point when we um, uh, 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 make our federation an official thing and have um, the agricultural uh, 
uh, bodies giving us money for prizes are able to uh, have a series purse, maybe some of those celebrities will think twice about just doing a one-off and come for more more than one, and then you draw them in. So I, I, I don't think that they need to be mutually exclusive. I think you can have a cool series and have people show up and ringers show up and uh, try to win it, and then the the professional gravel riders, you know, put them in their place. <laughs> yeah. No, I agree with that completely. And I think, you know, comparing it to Cross again as well, like when Annika Langvad showed up a couple seasons ago to race some of the World Cups in the U.S., it was cool to see somebody who was amazing in mountain biking come and try Cross and, like, find out where they fall into that. And I think that's kind of what's happening this season with the gravel races is you have an unofficial series where a lot of the same people are going to be at. And then every once in a while, these ringers will come in and throw a wrench into the mix and, and kind of see how things go. And it's fun to see where they fall and, you know, whether or not they can match up to some of these other people that are focusing on it a little bit more intensely. So yeah, it would be, I think that is probably what's going to happen in the future is there'll be some sort of series official or unofficial. And every once in a while, these big names are going to come in and, and kind of, put their name in the hat and shake up the results a little bit. And, and the thing about those big names, and especially, I mean, just looking at like the EF team is those like cyclists as a class aren't, aren't dumb and they're pretty meticulous and they kind of figure things out and they're a little anal about training and how they, you know, race and all that. I, I will bet the more that pro tour teams start doing events like that, eventually they're going to have, they're going to have the success. You know, I, I hope it doesn't get to the point where, uh, you know, when uh, Radio Shack showed up to Leadville and just rigged the whole thing where they basically had, you know, a, a nine-person team up there just to pace Lance so he could win the race. You know, you, I don't know if, that, if we're going to get to that. But I think just as far as how those guys like Morton and all of them went about their race this year, I'll bet they learned a ton. And if they come back and do it again, it's going to be, it's going to be a different story and, and yeah. that more, more will follow in that. And then it's just going to be, I think for the better, it, it will sort of change how those races are raced at the front end. Yeah, for sure. I, I was listening, watching the first day of the Colorado classic with um, Brad Soner and Meredith Miller doing a back and forth a little bit. And they were talking about steamboat and Meredith said something about how some of these racers are coming because like their sponsors really wanted them to. And it got me thinking that's, I think where I would have, I would be a little bit sad is if some of these people are showing up because somebody's telling them they have to, that would bum me out a little bit because I think a lot of this has always been people intrigued about the adventure. But if somebody's going because somebody tells them they have to, like a sponsor company or whatever, um, that would, I think, ruin a little bit of that uh, adventurous side of it for me. But besides that, yeah, I think I think it's going in a good direction. We are at about 58 minutes got a couple more items on this list is there anything that either of you are dying to touch on zach anything on that list that we need to talk about that will will not be evergreen by the time we do this again oh i thought it would probably make sense to talk about uh the rift a little bit uh that race looked pretty awesome um yeah is that out of this world what is the rift (laughs) So the rift was uh, the rift was a race in Iceland uh, that went around a, an active volcano, and I guess kind of the backstory is uh, if you've been on the backstory is any- I want to go do the rift exactly, and, and now you can do it next what year. Dude, yeah, they sent they sent photos, and I was just like, "Oh my god!" Like, I know. I, uh, what? I was like, "I've never seen anything like this." I know, but crazy. kind of the backstory. I, I think what was cool about it is uh, if you've been around gravel races, um, you've seen the Loft Fork, which is kind of like this weird spring contraption. Bill, have you seen the Loft Fork? I, that that I have, yes. Okay, so even Bill has seen the Lauf Fork. So I saw one at a mountain bike race. A dude put it on his mountain bike for a Wisconsin uh, mountain bike race. So That's the first place I ever saw it. I yeah. saw it. The first place I saw was Jingle Cross. Oh, wow. Yeah. What? Okay. Yeah. What? I have some photos. I'll have to dig them up. It was from a number of years ago. That is yeah. hilarious. 
Yeah. Amanda, I think there's sponsor potential here for you. Uh, I'm just throwing it out there for cross season. I don't know. I don't know if that's how that works, but you know, if you want to make that pitch. Uh, no, so Lauf, the last couple of years, they've just totally embraced gravel racing and their employees have been at races across the U.S. I, there was a, one of their employees was at the great gator gravel grinder in southern florida even i was like wow "Wow, that's they're getting around so it's really cool to see how they've embraced gravel and they've sponsored events and you know they've done gravel worlds and so they did their own party this year and they invited uh, a bunch of folks to go do it and so a number of americans got the chance to to go race it um you know it was familiar names allison tetrick won for the women and uh count strickland won for the men so i don't know it just seems like really cool and i think uh, if you haven't checked that one out i guarantee you'll probably want to do it next year <laughs> the the rift.bike just go to the rift.bike it looks freaking amazing the scenery is just yeah i just want to yeah. go i just want to go with a barbie jeep and a camera Yeah, and going back to when we're comparing a lot of this gravel stuff to Ironmans or triathlons, like destination Ironman racing is a thing. And you like go and pick places and go to travel to it um, because you want to go there and you kind of use the race as an excuse. And a couple years ago, David and I went to do the Dirty Reaver, which was in the UK. And after I came back from that event, I was telling people that I never thought that this gravel stuff would ever become destination racing until I did that event because it was amazing. And it was so cool to go to this different place and do a race. And and I said, coming back from that, that that's something that's going to happen in the future. People are going to do this destination sort of racing with gravel because you can go to these destinations that are otherworldly and totally different than anything that we have domestically. Um... So it's cool to see the Rift get as much exposure as it did this season because I think it's kind of opening the door to some of those different kinds of travel events, which I know Grinduro has started to do as well. They have events in Scotland and Japan. Um, so, you know, they're they're trying to push that now, and I think it's definitely a direction that, that can happen in the future the same way that Iron Man did. These lava fields look amazing. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah. But the one other thing that I wanted to mention besides that from the Rift, kind of the spinoff there, is this uh, Grinduro, Gravel Duro style of racing. Um, there's an event called Bleeding Kansas Gravel Duro that's coming up next month. And there is an event earlier this month called the Crooked Gravel in Colorado. And both of them, it got my attention because they have timed segments uh, throughout the race. So it's not... They don't give awards for an overall. They give awards based on like these different time segments throughout it. And both of those events in Colorado and Kansas say they took the idea from Grinduro. Um, and that idea that there for Grinduro, a lot of those time segments are a little bit more of like the downhill stuff, like taking off of Enduro. Um, but in this gravel Duro style other events they're just different you know gravel long stretches of segment it's not necessarily like rowdy technical stuff so i've talked to a number of people who have said that they really like this format because it takes away from the all-out sprint in the beginning and everybody's just going as hard as they can to get that result at the end of it instead people are like riding around and having a good time and then you know then you see the flag coming up for whatever time segment and that's when you decide to go Um, And I think that that could be another realm of this, you know, alternative gravel racing where it's going to get even more of the everyday people. Because if you take a few time segments and you're scored over a period of like, I don't know, if it's a six or seven minute overall, that puts somebody like me at a much closer position to somebody like Payson than, you know, 12 hours. So it's kind of cool and I've heard people say that it it makes it a lot more fun because it puts the average person even closer to a professional time split basically I like that a lot and I I think that you know that it's one of the reasons that enduro has caught on in in the mountain bike world too and I think for this Zach the thing that I I think has made this something that people can wrap their heads around is everybody's used to Strava now Everybody's mm-hmm. used to like, oh, you're out on your ride and you're just chilling out and oh, I know there's a segment here and then you're going hard. And if you're actually racing in real life with that kind of race structure, 
I think it's pretty cool, and I think it does exactly what Amanda was talking about, where you can sort of regroup, and you can sort of meet people and sort of hang out, and then, you know, know that sometime down the road it's going to get serious again, and then you're off and racing. So I, I, I love that. I think that's a really, really cool uh, concept. Yeah. What I think is you know really cool, we've probably mentioned it a few times, is that because gravel is unsanctioned, it is growing, uh, and, you know, the, it is being put on at this grassroots level, is people are open to try all kinds of things. You know, uh, Grinduro did the way they did it, and, you know, pretty much everyone who's done Grinduro is like, oh my god, that's my favorite race ever. Uh, mm-hmm. So there's clearly something there, which, Amanda, is what you're expressing. And so it's cool to see where a race in Kansas can be like, oh, we totally borrowed this idea, but we're going to put our own spin on it, and we'll see how it plays. And frankly, like, if it doesn't work one year, then the next year do something else. And so, I don't know, I think that it's still really cool uh, that there are so many levels of gravel that you're seeing, you know, grassroots. We were, I just had a a dude here where he's like, dude, we gotta, we gotta, we don't have much gravel here, but he's like, he threw out this race. He's like, let's go do this ride on, on bike path, you know, crushed stone bike paths in March. And I was like, dude, we need to do that. (laughs) You know, so it's like just this thing that you can start with some buddies or some friends and just uh, throw it out there and see what happens. Yep. Um, so yeah. So, so basically, Bill, what are you going to do next season? You got to pick a gravel event now, and not just drive around. I don't like actually. Uh, yeah. Ride it. All right. I'll have to. I'll have to explore where. where have I you ever go. done a gravel or alternative style racing? Like uh, no. No. Okay. All right. Yeah. All right, you listeners. We need some input. What should Bill <laughs> do for his first event next year? I will register as the curious noob. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then and then I have a second question for listeners. Um I have two cyclocross weekends that I know of gravel events that coincide with it. And I'm sure there's got to be a bunch of other local stuff, but I'm curious if people know of any other cyclocross race weekends that have a conjoined gravel event as well. I know Jingle Cross and Retzingets, but I'm wondering if there are some others out there. I feel like there are, but now I, I'll have to research that as well. Yeah, if people do want to get in touch with us for now, easiest place to do it, feedback at cxhairs.com. Just, just throw Grodio there in the, the subject, and I'll get that out to Zach and Amanda. And then also, you know, if you're on Twitter or Instagram and you just want to use the hashtag Grodio, we'll, we'll, we'll start checking those out as well. All right, guys. Uh, I think we did it. Thank you again for for continuing to to grow my knowledge of the of the of the gravel world. I'm I'm sure uh, there were many things I said that that um, yeah, I'm still learning. So if you want to get a hold of me and tell me everything I got wrong, again, feedback at cxairs.com. And I think that's yeah. it. Thanks, guys. Oh, yeah, you bet. It sounds like maybe next time we might have to uh, to get Bill fitted for a gravel bike, so we yes. might be able to Ooh. have a little tech tie-in and talk about how we're going to get you ready for your big gravel ride. <laughs> awesome. All right. Sweet. We'll see you later. Cool. Thanks, Thanks, guys. Thanks all for listening. Go check out everything else on the Wide Angle Podium Network, and see you next time.